Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lunchtime, your bi-weekly podcast for bivocational and busy pastors. I'm Hans Wunsch. So glad you're with us today. Hey, so we got another great episode today and a great interview that's going to be a two-parter. Uh, so this is the first part of two uh, that will be this time and the next time with a great pastor in our association and uh, we're looking forward to sharing that information with you. But before we get started, I want to go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love and your peace. We thank you for the season that we're in where we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ and him being our Savior, uh, him being born. Uh, and we're just so very grateful that the light uh, chose to tabernacle among men, chose to dwell among men, and uh, that we can spend eternity with you because of what he has done for us. So we're grateful for that, Lord, and we pray that today that you would uh, encourage us uh, as we learn from one of our brothers, Lord, and, and how he serves. We just pray that you would help us to learn and uh, grow ever closer to you. For it's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you would like to um, to email the show, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to the show, we appreciate you doing that on whatever um, podcast app you're using. Uh, we'd love for you to do that so that you'll not miss another episode that comes out. So like it, subscribe to it. Uh, if you don't mind, leave us a uh, four or five star review, whatever. Uh, if you'd like to contact the show, though, you're more than welcome to do that. You can send me an email directly at hans at winchtime.com. That's H-A-N is a nice, S at winchtime.com. And listen, I know our listeners are very busy people. I, I, I totally understand that, and I totally appreciate that, but... Uh, if I could just ask that we would love for your questions, love to answer the questions that you've got going on. Um, I really want this podcast to be about things that can help you in your ministry. And the best way for me to know that is for you to reach out. So I know you may be listening to this while driving down the road. And by all means, don't do this right this second. But if you could make a mental note to uh, shoot me an email at some point in the near future uh, with a question you may have, a comment you may have, an idea that you have for another show, uh, I sure would appreciate it. I really, really would appreciate it. So glad you're here today, and I am so glad to introduce you to a friend of mine. If you don't already know him, you'll, you'll think of him as a friend too uh, before the end of the episodes, and uh, his name is Todd Brooks, and uh, we're going to get into the interview right now. Hey, I'm so excited today because uh, I've got a really good friend of mine uh, with us, and his name is Todd Brooks. Uh, Todd, uh, so glad you're here. Thank you, sir. And uh, Todd is a dear friend of mine since uh, we've been here in uh, southwest Georgia, and he serves over in Worth County. Todd, uh, tell me about your church. Tell me about your family real quick. Well, my family, I have my lovely wife, Monica. We've been married for 23 wonderful years. Uh, we have two kids, Peyton's 21, McKenna, she's a senior this year, she's 17. Uh, both of them are 
uh, well, Peyton, he'll be through next December with his business degree. Great. Kenna's praying about what she should be doing. Sure. All that's going on. We, we thank the Lord for them. They love the Lord and are really seeking him. That excites me as a dad. Um, the church, uh, we're Evergreen Baptist Church out in rural Worth County. Uh, we're about nine miles from anywhere. <laughs> and uh, He's not kidding, y'all. I mean, that's, that's the real thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's, that's the gist of it. Very good, very good. Well, tell me about your call to ministry. Uh, it, it was a long time coming as such, at least on my side. Uh, the Lord's always known what he wanted to do. But I can look back and I can see how the Lord shaped me uh, from early on. I was, I was very shy uh, as a young man. Uh, my dad, uh, he, he was very outspoken. When he walked into a room, he possessed it. And in a lot of ways, I, I, uh, I was good being in the shadow. Um, but the Lord began to do a number of things in my life, uh, and my dad helped out with that too. Uh, we have our own business, and I've always been a part of that. And, um, and so as uh, Daddy began to, to get a little older, he kind of pushed me out in front, made me uncomfortable, and that was part of that. Uh, then for, uh, I guess when I was 20, 21 years old, uh, I, I joined a quartet, uh, playing the keyboard, and eventually becoming the lead singer and then spent 23 years involved in that. The last eight years of that, uh, I was out front as the MC and everything else, and God just took me from a place of shyness to uh, being in front of God's people and many people that I had. They didn't know me. I didn't know them, but God put me in a place where he stretched me. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, in our church family, I was, I was a deacon for several years. Um, I was always involved on pulpit committees and such as that. And the Lord just really began to, to deal with me as far as, I, I, I can't honestly say that I, I ran from the call, but I believe uh, the Lord was just working in me up until the time that he called me. I was 40 years old. I turned 40 on September the 13th. I was ordained on September the 14th. Wow. And, uh, and so it's just a, a lifelong process of Lord, the Lord bringing me to, to where he has me today. And I honestly have a perfect peace that I'm, that I'm doing what God has called me to do. Uh, I'm thankful to be a part. So you would say it's never too late to follow the Lord's leadership in your life. Would you say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a matter of uh, walking in faith and obedience. I believe that's the steps of the Christian life. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, tell me about how many churches you've had the privilege of being the pastor of. One. One. Just one. Evergreen. And uh, I know that they're blessed to have you. You've been there how long? Eight years and one month. Wow. As pastor. But I've been there since I was 10 years old. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And uh, so that's, uh, man, that's that's exciting. So you've been there long enough to know the people. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about the people a little later on. Tell us about your, your ministry training. What does that look like? Well, as far as a seminary, Bible, college, etc., that is not a part of my uh, past or present. Uh, however, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my mother, in particular, was a very uh, strong, spiritual, uh, godly leader uh, for our home. She was the one who, who we did the Bible stories together coming up. Um, and then uh, I was blessed to be able to go to a Christian school for most of my uh, schooling, uh, with the exception of fourth and fifth grade. Um, and in that, there were, there were several really great, teachers that I had as far as Bible was concerned. I, a matter of fact, I called one of them the other night, and uh, I, I told them how much I appreciate 
how they so poured into my life because they really helped me get anchored in the uh, the inerrancy of the Word of God, the sufficiency of the Word of God, uh, my eternal security. That was a big deal for me. I got saved when I was eight years old, but I really struggled with eternal security up into my early 20s. Wow. And um, God really used uh, this particular teacher in my life to to really just anchor me. Every, every time I said, well, I feel like I'm not saved, I feel, and she kept saying, you don't base your walk with God on your feelings. You base it on faith. That's such and a good word. And what does the word of God say? That's such a good and word. And so, so uh, she had a profound impact on me Amen. Uh, early on. Amen. And, and what a great lesson that we need to remind ourselves. We need to remind those around us. We need to remind uh, congregations that uh, I, I heard Mark Lowry and, and you great and I, theologian. great theologian, talk about how one day he woke up really early and he looked at himself in the mirror, and he said he didn't look saved. And uh, he took a big whiff, and he said, I didn't, I didn't smell saved. And there are times when I don't act saved. And he says, but the fact of the matter is I don't have to look saved or smell saved or act saved in order to actually be saved. You know, it's, it's, um, and we're grateful. We're grateful for God's grace, and uh, we're grateful that um, God is not fickle, mm. Right. Indeed, I, th I think of how uh, I'm, I'm thankful that God loves us no matter where he finds us, but he loves us too much to leave us there. Right. And uh, so I'm thankful for his sanctifying work in our lives. Yeah, one of the things that I uh, say frequently is that um, one of the things, one of the many things that parenting has taught me is that I can love someone without loving everything they do. Indeed. Love without liking. <laughs> I can love them but not really be okay with everything they do. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I feel much more comfortable calling God my father. Indeed. Uh, because, because of that. And, and so, but now that I, now that I is one, um, it's easier for me in that. So, um, but you do, I mean, you, you grew up in a, a Christian home and, uh, I know you spend time studying the word, um, what other things do you do to make sure that you are prepared, ministerially speaking? What, what are some things, some activities that you do, even though you haven't been officially trained by a, a, a SACS-approved educational institution? What have you done? What have you been a part of that helps you serve the Lord? Well, for me, it's more than, um, it's more than a, a what, but a who. Okay. Um, and, I, and I say that by, I, I have a number of godly Christian friends that, um, that I am blessed to have them pour into my life. Um, I have a handful of godly men that I'm able to be very transparent with. Um, I, we, we talk through stuff, uh, them with me and I with them of, you know, personal things that we deal with, personal struggles, accountability issues. Um, uh, even as a pastor, uh, we're able, these other guys are pastors, uh, we're able to talk about without naming names, without, and it's never in a, in a gossip way, but it is a matter of what the struggles are in the ministry. Sure. And being able to talk through those things. And, uh, you know, all along, inevitably, there's going to be a theological point that I have a question about that I don't understand. And again, I go back to that same godly handful of men who are grounded in the Word of God 
and we we feed off of each other and just back and forth and and the Lord has really used that to solidify a lot of my understanding of correct doctrine uh, as far as uh, other things that uh, I use on a regular basis uh, I'm bivocational I'm on the road uh, five days a week I'm always home every evening but I spend a great deal of time in my truck and as such um, I have a number of podcasts that I listen to of, of trusted pastors uh, from Adrian Rogers, Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Tony Evans, Lightweights. so forth. So yeah. thank you, yeah. thank you. And uh, but they have they have been so instrumental in my life. One in particular has been Charles Stanley. And again, going back to the idea of the eternal security that I struggled with sure. so much, um, God really used him to again help take me back to what the scriptures say. Says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. And it's it's not that there's a a, a maybe hope so think so but no so. So those those it's, it's who and what. Right, <clears throat> good deal. And and what other tools as a bivocational pastor, as somebody who's uh, kind of trying to find tools that help you maximize your ministry time? What other tools have you found? What like websites? Um, any other? apps or anything along those lines that yes for me uh when it comes to sermon prep when it comes to study i use biblegateway.com i i found it's very affordable uh and the tools that are there have been instrumental for me um i i even use that as far as my daily bible reading we've been reading through chronologically this year uh, i and my church family have and it's just been a, a blessing. Uh, a lot of times when I have questions on there, I'm thankful for the commentaries that are included there, and I like to search those prayerfully and uh, use those as tools. Uh, another tool that I use is Bible Hub, uh, and I, I like that for when I come to a word that in English it may not be a, a good translation of what the original was, and obviously I don't know Greek, Hebrew, etc. cetera, uh, but uh, I can go through there, and there's the lexicon, and there's the words, and here's what it means, and uh, it helps solidify what what I understand of the Word of God. So those are those are the two the biggest tools that I use online. Very good, very good. Um, so tell us about your non ministry occupation. Now I know that you do ministry while you're doing this occupation, but tell me about your your non ministry occupation. Well, as I said earlier, my dad started this business that we have back in 1980. Uh, sell, sell fuel additives, that kind of thing. And we do uh, travel all over the state of Georgia, North Florida, uh, East Alabama. Um, so five days a week, uh, I'm on the road with that. But I, I, as you alluded in your question, I, I don't consider that non-ministry. Uh, the Lord has opened a lot of doors. Um, as I work with folks, uh, I don't go around promoting the fact that I'm a pastor, but it seems like God has a it's like God has a plan, mm. and you show up at just the right time, uh, and inevitably, inevitably, uh, I come across someone who's struggling with an issue at home or with their marriage, or uh, they've lost a loved one, or they found out that there's a critical illness that's going on in their family or their life, and the Lord has allowed me to be able to go into places and, and pray with folks that uh, might not otherwise darken the door of a church. So I, I don't consider it non-ministry. Uh, it's, it's all ministry to me. So, and but you own this business. This is a self-employed kind of situation, right? It's it, a one-horse operation. One horse. The horse. And you're the horse. <laughs> Nay. Um, well, okay. Uh, you don't have anybody else that helps you with that? Peyton doesn't help you at all? Uh, Peyton is presently in school, and uh, he's otherwise employed. Uh, he helps me along, but uh, 
but basically it's me anymore. Uh-huh. And what, what is it that um, you manufacture? A fuel additives. Um, we have fuel additive and then a product that's uh, oil treatment for motor oil and hydraulic oil, that kind of thing. And uh, it's, been, it's been a good thing. And, and who is your, your typical customer? The majority of our business is cities and counties, school bus systems, governmental type organizations, uh, fleet systems, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, about 10, 10 to 15% farmers, uh, just other personal users. Gotcha. Great. Um, so what are some, some bivocational lessons that you've learned in this eight-year, one-month, five hours and 37 seconds that you've been the pastor of Evergreen? Priority. Uh-huh. Um, God has not called me to be everything to everybody. Um, I must not confuse the calling in my church to God's calling on my life. Wow. I understand from, from God's word my first priority is my relationship with the Lord. Um, my second priority is to my wife. My third priority is to my children. And my church comes after that. Um, I don't neglect my church, and but I appreciate the fact that my church family, they respect my family, and they respect my time with my family. Uh, I thank God that on the, the rare occasion that we do get away, sometimes they won't let me know things going on with them because they don't want to interfere with my family time. Wow. And I, I appreciate that kind of respect that they have. I mean, I want to know, and I want them to, I don't ever want them to feel like I don't have time or that they're, they're not important to me. But I, I thank God that he's given us a healthy balance uh, with, our, with our church family as that regard, in, in that regard. Sure. Well, so um, you said that balance is a, is a big thing. What other lessons have you learned? Study is important, but I must be careful that I'm not just studying to prepare a message. I've got to study to feed my soul. Right. And um, because if I'm, if I'm not consuming a healthy diet in my relationship with the Lord to begin with, I can't, I can't be the pastor that I need to be. There you go. And that's tough. I know that it's not easy to... Um, not easy to balance all that. I mean, with, with, with a family, with a job, and I'm sure you, you have this thing that you do on occasion called sleep. Um, and, and then also with, with the church and, and evergreen, how long has it been by vocational? Has it always been by vocational? It's always been by vocational. Okay. So, and it's been around for, uh, since 1917, 1917. So over a hundred years of by vocational ministry. So they, they're, they're accustomed to having a bivocational pastor, you might say. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to be careful how that comes across because um, I don't I don't see bivocational as a second class ministry. Right. Um, I see I see just living out God's calling for my life and for my church family. Um, Evergreen has never been to me a a stepping stone to somewhere else. I'm not a mega church pastor wannabe. I believe that God has called me where he has in this time, and I'm absolutely fully content to stay there till he calls me home. If he calls me somewhere else, that's fine. But if God if God wants to leave me there in the woods, I'm good with that. Sure. And so I, I don't feel any sense of 
pridefulness or, or an ego trip, you know, to try to want something bigger, better, because I really believe it's God's call for us. Right. And I certainly was not trying to imply that uh, bivocational ministry is, is anything other than ministry. Sure. Um, but there is a, a different subset of challenges that go along with bivocational ministry Indeed. that are different than the challenges that go along with first uh, full-time ministry. And, right. that, and that doesn't mean one of those is better than the other. It just means that it's a, just a different set of challenges. Indeed. Right. Um, it's uh, it, to me, it's kind of like uh, athletics. Right. I mean, you, you look at basketball, you look at football, you look at baseball. They all require training. Indeed. But there's a different subset of training that goes along with different exercises that go along with training for those sports as opposed to one of the other sports. Indeed. You know, as we think about Jesus coming and being the light of the world, we think about international missions. You might think about local missions as well. And this is really a season where we focus on international missions because it's such a great time to be able to share Jesus with those around us. And uh, I hope that if you uh, are already or haven't already, I hope that you will consider uh, giving to and promoting the, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions through the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, such great things going on there. Uh, recently had a chance to hear Brother Paul Chitwood, the uh, president of the IMB, speak several times. And just his message of encouragement each time was that the greatest need in the world today, the greatest problem in the world today is sin, and we have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so uh, that is the spirit in which our international missionaries are going out, and I would encourage you, just as my wife Laurie and my family and I have, uh, to give generously to the International Mission Board, and also to encourage your churches uh, to do so as well, and then also figure out ways that you can increase your giving uh, for next year. One of the ways that we've decided is that we're going to set aside so much money each month so that when it comes to time to give uh, next December, uh, we'll already have that money set aside and ready to go for international missions. Hope that you'll consider doing the same, and thank you so much for being with us. Now, back to Pastor Todd. But uh, so what, what are some, you said, these are some lessons you've learned. Which ones had, do you wish that you'd learned like really early on? Not every hill's worth dying on. Yeah. Um, don't major on the minors. Um, inevitably with, um, I mean, this is in a family, uh, in everyday relationships. You're, you're not going to see eye, eye to eye with everybody. What? Yeah. I mean, so get used to it, dude. Okay. <laughs> um, and so uh, in, in my situation, uh, a lot of my church family is literally family as well, uh, about half of them. And, um, and then those who are not kin to me, it is, they're still family. And so, I mean, we don't have a, you know, favorites in that respect by any means. It's, it's a family, it's a family, it's a family. But with, with it being family, um, we're all plugged into each other's lives in ways outside of the church house. And uh, we 
we learn to love each other. And I, I believe scripture's true. Love covers a multitude of sins. There you go. And so uh, they know I'm warped, and I know that they're warped, and it all works out, you right. know, because we're warped together, uh, trusting the Lord as he's sanctifying us and growing us. So, um, and I know that having family in churches presents a, a different uh, a set of uh, challenges. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, any other lessons that you wish that you had learned? Not every hill is worth dying on. I think that's a that's a that's a really good word because a lot of times we have and we have to to look at uh, are we inputting our opinion in this or is this a scriptural thing? And then not God doesn't give everybody clarity on every part of scripture the moment they get saved. Indeed. They have, they're able to connect with and be led by the Holy Spirit, just like you and I are, but God has got a different path of, of, of righteousness for each individual. Just like our children are different and his children are all different. And there's going to be some things that we all come together collectively on at the same time. And there's going to be other things that you get there and then I get there a year or two later. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I'm a heretic while you're waiting on me to get caught up. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So, and uh, we won't talk about what those are other than Southern Gospel music. Um, <laughs> Todd. Well, you're you're going to find out when you get to heaven that the Lord loves Southern Gospel music. Yeah, it very well may be true. <laughs> uh, and, and it may be... Southern Israel, and uh, we we don't uh, <laughs> the Southern Kingdom music. Uh, it may be a little different. If I uh, can add one thing, sure. Um, as far as things I wish I had learned earlier, is um, just just because of my 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 immediate family and the way we've always done things, business wise, otherwise, we we've never been uh, really good at uh, asking for help. Yeah, and so that translated into. Uh, ministry in a big way for me because I, it's not that I didn't feel like anybody else was not capable of doing what needed to be done at times, but it was a matter of I I I didn't want to inconvenience anybody else by asking them to do something. Right. And I realize now more than ever that I was robbing people of a, of the blessing of serving the Lord. Yeah. And so that is that's been a challenge for me to say uh, to ask and 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 I and I I've been blessed to be able to find out that there's. There's so many in our church family that are gifted in different ways that are wanting an opportunity to serve. Right. And and in a lot of ways, I was keeping folks from doing what they were gifted to do. And so I had to repent of that. And um, and I, I thank God in, in the last couple of years in particular, the Lord has just really impressed on me the idea of, of growing godly leaders amongst our church family and our men. And... Too many, I'm afraid, have been satisfied to to sit in the pew, yeah, without standing up and 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 being what God's called them to be. So it's both been a challenge for me to ask for the help, and for them to uh, realize, yes, I do have something to contribute, and it's time to get off the sideline, get on the field. And so it's been a blessing on both sides watching that happen. Sure, and unfortunately, there seems to be, at least in the churches that I've been a part of a mindset of, well, if they don't ask, they don't need me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like if, if uh, they don't ask me to teach Sunday school, then I'm, I'm good. I, I, I'm not needed. If they don't, if they don't come to me and say, how about you be a deacon? 
then I'm, I'm not needed. If they don't come to me and say, hey, we need some help with vacation Bible school, then I'm not needed, and I'm not going to offer myself out there to help. And unfortunately, sometimes the people, two things happen. Number one is the people that are just like into everything are, are either people that overcommit, like they just they can't say no, and they don't do anything really well because they're doing everything. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes that's the pastor. Uh, and secondly, those people on the other side of things can also be the ones that can be real troublemakers because they're they're into everything and therefore they're they're trying to to not listen to the leadership that you've gotten from the Lord, but their own leadership. Sure. Um, and so those are two two big struggles that I found. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, we uh, every every year when we have what we call out in our edge of the woods, teacher calling uh, at annual conference. Uh, used to, honestly, it was a little chaotic the way that it happened. Uh, we've we've done differently for a number of years before I was even the pastor. Thank the Lord we changed how that happens. But it, it involves the church, not necessarily a committee, being a nominating committee as such, but the church uh, individuals, uh, those who are a part of a Sunday school class, they are the ones who nominate their teachers and so forth. Nice. And so it's it's been a very constructive thing, and and here's here's the part that uh, I think is really important um, that I've seen work better, is too often people can feel like what you said they they feel like they have something to contribute but nobody asks, mm-hmm. and then on the other hand you have uh, folks who feel like their uh, their arm is twisted or they're guilted into doing a right job. right, and so. So when it comes around and we're getting up time, you know, this it's time to start nominating and going through all that process. Uh, I go ahead and ask people to be praying. And here's, here's basically what I try to uh, encourage them to be prepared for. Um, if I call you up and I say that you've been nominated for the, say, the adult Sunday school class, I said, I, w- I want you to, to know that you have the freedom to say no. I want you to know that you have the freedom to say, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about that. I need to pray about it. Those are honorable things to say. Don't ever tell me yes because you feel like you have to do it. Right. Don't ever tell me yes because you feel like um, uh, from a selfish power play kind of thing. But don't don't ever feel like uh, you need to be sure God's called you to it. Right. Is really the summation of that. And so if God hadn't called you to it, don't do it. That's a good word. That's a good word. Hey, I know that you were encouraged like I was. Hope to see you back next time.